Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome in to the Autzen Audible's podcast. Matt Frame, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Welcome to a post-Oregon Media Day show. Uh, Oregon just wrapped up on Wednesday, August 3rd. It's annual football media day. And guys... Um, I think this was maybe one of the most informative, better-run media days we've had in a while. Shout-out to Nate, Oregon's SID, for putting it in this direction and creating this format. It was I, – I felt like it was – this is peeling the onion back a little bit and going behind the curtain from a media perspective. But the way it was set up, we, the four of us, Jackson, our intern, was also there. We ran through about 35 football players in a two-hour spiel of talking with them. And we spoke with Oregon's head football coach. And it, it was set up where it really felt like we learned a lot. We got a lot of good information. And it was in a setting where the players were comfortable and good with it, too, which allowed them to give us good information. Just an overall exciting uh, first day to kick off the 2022 Oregon football season. It's nice from the first day of class. It feels like the teacher's got something planned for you that works. And I think yep. everybody came way pretty pleased with it in the past. And now, now we're, we haven't even gotten to anything Oregon football, but just from a format perspective in the past, you've shown up. You could get a one-on-one -on -one with a player for as long as you wanted. But then there'd be like 10 guys who just no one ever talked to. And they'd just be left sitting there on their phones for like 35, 40 minutes. In this instance, everybody spoke 15 minutes. People made the rounds. They talked who they wanted to. And I left feeling like I talked to all the people I wanted to talk to. I think everybody else here agrees. Yep. And, and every single player at least had, you know, half a dozen to maybe a dozen to two dozen people to talk to for the entirety of the thing. So I, I think it was, again, big ups to Nate Kruger, Oregon. And we're going to open this podcast by kissing butt for uh, to Nate Kruger, <laughs> Oregon Sports Information uh, Director. But uh, he does. this was a new concept he had. And I told him while we're eating our, uh, our lunch, our Hawaiian food lunch, which was quite good that uh, I think the other day was a pretty big success. Definitely a big success. Thanks, Nate. We all appreciate it. I'm sure you're not listening to this podcast, but for everybody <laughs> who is, uh, everybody can go on Twitter and thank Nate. Um, yeah, great, great little location, great little um, organization as well. We got to talk to everybody. Uh, I think we all handled eight, eight players, um, at least. Uh, you know, our, our intern, Jackson Naga, was there too. We'll have some content up on Duck Territory as well. Um, Definitely first day of school vibes. I like that comparison. Um, you know, we got to see all of our, our our friends, believe it or not. Yeah, our friends in the in the media um, for the first time since. I mean, for some of us, it's been since football season, spring, spring football break. season ended. It's been summer break, man. Yeah, it was just it was. summer break. Um, got to see everybody. Uh, it was a good time. Um, always enjoy media day. Always uh, way more laid back than what it is in the season. Yep. Get to ask dumb, stupid questions that actually get answers. Um, and you just it's, it's more laid back. It's more of just a fun time in general. It, and Hawaiian part, food. It, and Hawaiian food was very good. Uh, yeah. uh, it started off with Dan Lanning hosting his annual press conference, his opener. Um, he also, I mean, if we want to talk about some kissing some butts here, uh, he also came out and – Played up with us. I mean, first thing he said, he thanked us for being there and made made it a point to say that we were important to the program to bring the connection to the players and coaches to its fan base. Uh, so he, he's off to a good start trying to get on our good side as well. Um, and then we went right into the nitty gritty with him and quarterbacks. I think this is the topic that everyone wants to, to know about, wants to learn about. I want to know who the starting quarterback is. All three of the scholarship quarterbacks, Bo Nix, Ty Thompson, Jay Butterfield, they all spoke. They all were asked about the quarterback competition. Uh, but for Dan, Dan the man landing, uh, it was very little. He was very uh, tied up with information 
did not want to divulge it and quite out, quite frankly came out and even said that. He's like, it's not in our best interest for you guys to know what's going on here. Yeah, so he, he so it's kind of funny because within about two minutes of him being like, we appreciate you guys. It's great to have you here. That You guys don't get enough appreciation. He was immediately annoyed at the very first question from <laughs> our good friend James Crepe at the Oregonian where he goes, James, I've been asked this question a bunch of times. I'm not going to answer it, which was about the quarterback position. And the reality is we don't know any more information than we had before. I actually asked an identical question at Pacto Media Day, got a similar dance around answer. Um, I think the reality is, is that we're not going to get – there's a couple of things I feel like I know about Dan Landing now in terms of what we can talk about. Position battles, we're not getting any names. I asked about who the competition is for a punter. No idea. He, did, he talked about no. how special teams were, which is great. They got options. They got options. They talked about how great special teams are and how important it is, but don't have any names. So, you know, we know like Adam Barry, I think was recruited to be a punter here, but I couldn't tell you who he's competing with. Like he seems to be probably the front runner, but we'll have to get out to practice to see. Um, the other one is injuries. And I asked an injury question at Pac-12 Media Day. Got He basically was like, I'm not going to talk much about injuries. And then during our lunch with him, I was like, can I ask you about injuries at Media Day? Would it be better if I, you know, during sessions? Is that better if I don't? And he said, yeah, don't ask about it. So, I'm making a uh, making. You know, I'm not asking him about injuries anymore. So I'll let the other media people do it because I've got a verbal agreement with with uh, Coach Landing that I'm not the interview the injury interview guy. So um, these are things he won't talk about. And so what he will talk about is broad strokes things that he's excited about. And there were several things in that kind of category. But in terms of the quarterback competition, um, we spoke to all three guys. I think all three guys are you know. I guess Jared didn't speak to a single quarterback because of the way it was set up, but I spoke to Ty Thompson. Uh, Ty Thompson seems to be really confident in his offseason and the work he's put in. He seems to have a really good relationship with the other quarterbacks. Called Jay Butterfield, one of his closest friends. I, I asked a question of, like, what do you admire most about the other quarterbacks? And he had two minutes of really highly complimentary things about both of those guys, about Jay and about Bo, and about how much of a leader Bo is, and how he's learned about how to carry himself off the field from Bo, and you know, how good of a quarterback and an athlete he is and how much of a difference maker he is. So there's definitely mutual admiration and appreciation. Ty also talked about how competitive he is as a person. You know, we talked about there's, there's more, probably more cornhole talk today than I was expecting because uh, a lot because Dan Landing did it, did, did say that he, uh, that Jay Butterfield's the best cornhole player he's ever competed against. And uh, it sounds like Jay and Ty make up a pretty tough duo. Um, so we talked a little bit about that, but just the competition amongst these guys, I think is probably going to be real and it's going to be intense, but don't ask me with any evidence other than what we've heard behind the scenes where this is at, because publicly it's the same spot it was at the end of spring, which is guys are competing. It's a healthy competition and we're going to have a good quarterback on the first game, but that's about all we know. I think that's all we're going to know for a long time. I think that's probably all we're going to know, even if, uh, somebody is named a starter, um, I don't know if it'll even be, yeah, this guy's the starter and that's that. And for the entire season, I think it'll still be a competition according to, to Lanning, according, probably according to offensive coordinator Kevin Dillingham, who we have yet to talk to uh, so far. Um, we'll get to him, I think, in the next couple of days, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, yeah, Lanning had – I enjoyed his press conference. I enjoyed all the things that he talked about. Um, but, you know, to, to – Back up what Eric was talking about. Yeah, just position battles. He is going to discuss how important the position is or what side of the ball it's on. Um, speak very highly of his coaching staff, which he has always done, which I've always appreciated. Um, just a quick side note, I do really think that Dan um, firmly believes that he has hired like the best guys because he has only just continuously brought that up in almost every one of his situations about how he thinks each of these guys – do something special in their own right and when they all gel together. But anyways, um, yeah, just isn't going to get into quarterback controversy or the quarterback competition. Um, and, you know, I, I unfortunately didn't get to ch get to chat with a quarterback today just because of how it all worked out and our stations that we were reporting at. Um, plenty of defensive players on my plate, which I'm all right with. But, um, you know, after speaking to them in, the, in spring, um, it just sounds like, it's going to be publicly, it's going to be a competition. Um, whether or not privately Lanning and Dillingham have kind of chatted about this and have a front runner or whatnot. Um, I don't think we're going to know until that name is officially announced to be a starter and he'll be number one in the depth chart, whoever that may be. Um, overall though, I did, I did, I think Lanning's opening statements have been pretty, pretty good so far. 
have to admit. To the quarterback that, that spoke about the competition, um, I spoke with two of the three. Eric spoke with Ty. I I was with Bo and, and Jay. Um, we haven't compared notes, but Eric, I, I would assume Ty gave a similar answer that they basically said that Jay and Bo at least said that Hey, they want to win. They understand it's a competition, but they don't view it as such that they're all good friends. It's a good quarterback room um, yep. that, that the quarterbacks, you know, Bo has certainly helped and made an impact on Jay, on Jay and his development. He's taught him, him some things through the experience of playing three years and starting three years in the SEC. While Bo came out and said that, you know, Jay is, has pushed him, has made, you know, his job hard. It, it He certainly knows he hasn't won it yet and that, you know, the competition is alive and well going into fall camp. Yeah, no, that's exactly where I'm at, too. That's what Ty said. Ty had a lot of nice things to say about his teammates, but I think everybody's aware of where it's at. Everybody everybody seems to really like each other, you know, which yeah. is which is a positive. But, again, as we kind of just ran through, I, I don't think there's really any – and Dan, I'm sure, likes it this way. There's no controversy. There's no huge storylines emerging about quarterback from media day other than things that each of them probably worked on and improved on independently. And we'll certainly have content on the website on, on kind of what we heard from those guys. Let's take a break or let's go into, um, not take a break. Let's take uh, some other things that Dan Lanning spoke about during camp, uh, during the press conference. Um, I thought it was interesting guys that he really singled out Brandon Dorless as a guy that, simply isn't getting enough attention. Um, I think Landing did acknowledge that, yeah, he didn't go through spring ball because of an injury, and maybe that happened. But this is an all-conference caliber player by the coaches after the 2021 season. And then going into preseason media day, he was also voted a, a, an all-conference player. And yet Dan Landing is expecting really big things out of him. Um, I, I think that's – a, a big step in the right direction. I think this is a guy that Oregon's going to need to lean on and especially true with Kayvon Thibodeau gone. I don't know what Dan's talking about, how he doesn't get enough tension. He was first team everything. I mean, it's like, I, what, I mean, not, not to be a jerk about it, but it's like, what else can we really say? He didn't practice right. in the spring. He's been first team everything for last season. I think the expectation is he's probably one of, if not the best defensive lineman in the Pac-12 this year. Um I, I think uh, I think everybody thinks really highly of Brandon Dorless. I'm really excited to see him out there. I mean, you know, it's funny. We, we, we're going to have a story up on the site um, later today, today being Wednesday, um, of kind of like we wanted to do like a big feature on who are some breakout players or some players that have really improved this offseason. And I think at least two of us got answers that were like the entire defensive line yeah. was the answer. And one of the guys that I spoke to about that, you know, said basically, you know, in the past it's been – Dorless, obviously Kayvon was here, Popo, some of these guys. But this year it's like it was Dante Manning who said it, but it was like this year it's like we're three, we're three to four deep on defense, mm -hmm. every position, and especially the defensive line. He just says that that group has really improved, and there's so many guys that they can rely upon. There's so many guys that they can um, substitute through, that they can work through. Where I, I kind of get the feeling that Dorless is obviously the most prominent. I think he's going to have a great season. I think he's going to be someone who potentially with the right coaching could elevate his draft stock where he might sneak into the first or second day, you know, maybe not the first day, but could he be a second or third round pick? Does he have the ceiling to do that athletically? I don't think that's out of the question. Interesting body type for the NFL, but you know, there's probably, there's a role for him there. And I think he could have a big season, but I also just think collectively that defensive line, again, you continue to hear really positive things about how they're all coming together. And, you know, we just did our defensive line podcasts, I think Tuesday, it was yesterday. One of the things I talked about was, I just think there's a lot of bodies and the players agree that there's a lot of guys that will be competing in there contending. And, and I'll be really curious to see how that shakes out this week and throughout fall. Definitely interesting that Dorless got the recognition from Lanning. Um, I think that just kind of speaks volume to what Dorless did last season and how now all of us are well aware of how good of a player he is yet Lanning and, and DJ, DJ Johnson, who I spoke with also thinks he doesn't get enough credit for what he does in the football field. Um, and coming from DJ, a guy who's been with the program for a couple of years, a guy who's also lists or on his defensive line, you know, lining up to the side of Brandon Dorless. Um, 
I think, yeah, I think that speaks volumes. I think what, what Lanning has seen on film, or at least, um, well, Dorless was hurt during spring ball, but mostly on film, I'd imagine, and for him to keep talking about how impressive of a player is, how he doesn't get enough credit, um, again, I think that speaks volumes to how good of a player he is. Um, he definitely very excited to watch him play this season. Um, I think it was Popo Amabai who told me that, that Dorless slimmed down this year, um, yep. that he's playing at a little lighter of a weight. He's going to be lining up more on like as a defensive end than right up the middle. And, and that must be by design because Oregon has, like Eric was mentioning, they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of depth at that interior spot. You have, you know, 320, 330 pound guys like, you know, where Hudson who upped his weight, Popo Amabai, Jordan, Jordan Riley, uh, Sam Taimani, Casey Rogers is, is skinnier, but he's still a big guy. I imagine he'll probably be a backup to Doris on that edge position. Um, that's a lot of, that's a lot of dudes. And you still have Keanu Williams, but, and, and the list goes on, but um, Doris is clearly the heavy, heavy hitter of that group. Um, and for him to be, I forgot who spoke to him of us, but I'm assuming he's at hundred percent health, right? Yes, he he said he's he's 100 ready to go. And Jared, he also said he's now playing around 280 pounds, which I felt like was when he it was he he slimmed down. I felt like that was just what he was always playing at. Um, uh, he was like 290s before. I just didn't. I guess I just didn't realize he was that big. But he's around 280 now, um, and he he says that it's it, he feels better. He he's 100 healthy going into spring ball into summer camp and that he's excited for the opportunity that he's got because he, he feels like watching what the Georgia defense did last year on a Dan landing. He can kind of replicate some of the, the success that they had. He was at 284. To, he was at 284 last year. Interesting. So maybe he was heavier than they reported. Um, could be. Which could, could really be true. It wouldn't surprise me. A quick thing on the, the interior D lineman. Um, I talked to two of the three of them of Popo, uh, Kiawar Hudson, and Brandon Dorless. Um, all three of them, now uh, now that I know, all three of them will be fully healthy and hopefully no restrictions. I think Popo is still waiting to hear, but got cleared from the doctor last week. Um, all three of them, fun fact, all three of them tore their labrums in their shoulder. So that kept them Jeez. out after the season and into spring camp. So they, it was basically like uh, like a pitching rotation. Um, thought that was an interesting injury that they all had together, but all three of them are healthy now. So it'll be it'll be good. It'll be entirely different to watch that defense now because those three not being there in spring camp let other other players, surely capable players, be the first and second string. But that's going to be a very competitive room. Uh, just since we're doing it, I didn't realize we were going to do an injury report segment, but of course we shouldn't. By the way, Jared, I think we should probably uh, have you write that content item at some point. What those guys said, I can throw you some Cam McCormick stuff. I'm sure Matt has some Justin Flo stuff. I've got stuff from Dante Manning. Everybody I spoke to who has been injured previously is fully go. Um, Same here. Cam McCormick had a torn right Achilles. I don't know if that that news had come out specifically before, but I asked him about it. Um, And he says he's back and ready to go. I mean, that guy has been through a ton. Um, He also indicated it sounds like Patrick Herbert is like, I don't think he's going to be – slow to come out of practice i think or to start practice i should say i think he's fully healthy obviously patrick wasn't available so i didn't get it from him but that was what you know, what cam kind of indicated um and dante manning i know at the end of spring there was kind of this oh boy he got wheeled out of a scrimmage he hurt his knee thing he said that was like basically nothing you know and i think we kind of knew that we saw some photos but he said this is the healthiest he's been entering a season since he's been at oregon so there's my injury report Did, that's nice uh, I, matt i assume flow Basically, was like I'm good, or what did he yeah, say? Yeah, Flo said Flo said that uh, his foot is ready to go. Um, he was asked about like, did did you remember when the injury happened? And he said he had that feeling of dominance in that Fresno State game week one that he was just so much in the zone. He has no idea when he hurt it. He just knew that like the next day, uh, ow, my foot hurts. Um, so a that's incredibly fair enough. Impressive pain tolerance. To- to have a, a foot injury that knocks you out for the season and to play an entire game without knowing it was hurt. Um, pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, he actually said the bigger hurdle has been a mental aspect. He, he, I tried to get a little bit of background into just his struggles of dealing with 
back-to-back years with injuries. I think James from the Oregonian tried as well. He really wasn't too forthcoming with information, but he, he definitely made it clear that it's been hard. He, he said last year was a very big, humbling experience for him, but he also acknowledged that you know it's made him a better football player. It's made him a better person. He's learned to appreciate all the good things in life because they're not going to last forever or they can be taken away really quickly. So it really sounds like from a flow standpoint that, yes, his foot is healthy. He's good to go. He's ready to play. But he's definitely in a better mental place than he was uh, a year ago after that injury happened. Do you want to get into more player stuff or are we going to take a break, Matt? I forgot. Yeah, let's, take quick, let's take a quick break and when we come back, um, we'll run through some items that we've learned speaking with over 30 football players at Oregon. 2022 media football day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Uh, Matt Perry, Mary Scopa, Jared Mack. Should remind you guys, we are still promoting a 50% off um, promotion on DuckTerritory.com. If you are not a subscriber to DuckTerritory.com and you want to support this show, the biggest way to do that is by subscribing to the site. It allows us to continue to produce these shows for free. It allows us to go travel to uh, destinations like Pac-12 Media Lake. Last week, uh, we're all going to Atlanta later this, this month for that big football game um, and – this is a good time to do that because you yourself can save some money, 50% off a year subscription, all football season, all of recruiting season, the start of the 2024 cycle, uh, all of basketball for men and women. You get baseball coverage, you get softball coverage, uh, spring football, the list goes on and on. Uh, so I highly encourage you guys to do that. Now we spoke with three of us. We spoke with 24 football players, um, Jackson would be 32. It there is a lot to to digest here. Um, we're gonna have a lot of stuff up on duckterritory.com. But Eric, let's start with you. Just why don't you run through one thing that you you know? How do we want to do this? Let's 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 pick your own adventure podcast. Do you want to go three straight, or do we want to go just one by one by one? I think we should rotate through, or else I'm gonna be talking by myself for a really long time. Okay, which, which I'm fine doing, but I'm sure the listeners would like a little variety of uh, delivery. So one one by one is what we're one doing. one one one. Jared, we're doing one one one. Okay, that's three, Eric. Well, but no, it's one <laughs> one one. I'm pointing. No, those listening on the audio. Anyway, we've talked more about the format of our podcast now than the actual. Uh, anyway, uh, no, I think I think you know I've got a couple positions that really stand out, but I think overall um, speed was a a big big talking point for. Mm-hmm. I spoke primarily to tight ends and running backs and defensive backs, but I mean, one of the things that really stood out was Maliki Madava was saying that new, you know, sprint coach, new speed coach, Jaworski Beckham has basically taught him how to run properly, how to sprint properly. You know, um, you know, I was like, is it kind of weird to think you've been running like not the proper way for 18 years of your life? He's like, yeah, but I'm using different muscles. Um, my, my muscle, it, you know, it feels more natural. Um, and he thinks he's picked up some real speed. You know, I think the interesting thing is, is that 
Oregon has long been known for speed, but this is the first time they've had a full-time speed coach. As I suppose, like, you know, I know Jim Radcliffe was here. He would work with the track athletes, the football athletes. I'm sure he did a lot of speed, you know, speed-specific workouts. You know, um, but this is the first time that they've had like this guy's full job is to make players fast. And it sounds like the offseason has been really beneficial from that regard. Um, all the tight ends I spoke to talked about they've gotten faster, and that was with an aim. You know, this new offense is going to stretch the field with the tight ends. Um, they are going to throw. They are going to be running deeper routes. Last year, we kind of got on this position group because, like, they didn't have like hardly any explosive plays after the. I don't know. I know the obviously the Ohio State game. You had to throw to Maliki Madaval for a touchdown. I think Ferguson had a couple against like. Arizona, maybe, but there was very, very little passing downfield to tight ends. And it sounds like that's going to be something that they work to incorporate more this year. So all those guys have gotten faster. Uh, Terrell Tillman, according to Dan Lanning, is the fastest tight end on the team. According to Terrence Ferguson, Terrence Ferguson is the fastest tight end on the team. Um, Terrence Ferguson says that he needs to race Terrell because he thinks they're pretty close, but he's not doubting himself on that. Um, Terrence Ferguson also says he's the best basketball player on the team that Terrence is. So mm. a lot of self-confidence out of Terrence, which you'd love to see from a young guy. But I think we're going to see this tight end crew really utilized in the passing game in a different way. And Ferguson, you know, I asked, like, it's been a wild off season. There's obviously the, you know, the big story is the tragic passing of Spencer Webb. But you also are dealing with a team that just only has two guys really played last year back. And I asked, you know, Terrence, like, are you confident with this group? He says, we're going to have the best tight end group in the country. Now, whether or not that's accurate or if that's pretty hyperbolic, which I think is probably more hyperbolic than going to be factual, well, remains to be seen. But you love the confidence and you love the fact that it's a group where I think offensively you have a lot of questions there and the players at least feel like they're as good as anybody out there. To add on to the speed thing before I jump into mine, um, Triquist Bridges and DJ Johnson said that they are the fastest players on the team. Um, I don't, I don't buy either of those. And then lastly, Chris, uh, Christian I, Gonzalez also says he's the fastest player. Christian Gonzalez also says he's the fastest player on the team. Everybody thinks they're the fastest player on the team. Yeah, gotta have confidence. Um, gotta have self confidence. But Brian Addison let us know that Kamari Terrell uh, broke 24 miles per hour Woo! when they tracked his speed. So. By the numbers, I think Kamari Terrell might be the fastest player on the team, but that's it's a ridiculous number. But anyways, um, you know, I, I think, well, one of the things I wanted to start out with, which I thought was just an interesting note, I talked to Keon Ware-Hudson about his rehab process, um, and it kind of started a, a slew of, of recognition from me about how complimentary the team was about what Wilson Love and the new strength staff has been doing for the program, um, which I guess plays into Eric's speed component as well. But Keon Ware Hudson was very complimentary of something that Wilson Love talked about on, on the Autzen Models podcast with Eric and I about individualized um, workout groups so that the wide receivers aren't doing what the offensive linemen are doing and you know things like that. Um, and I was surprised by this because it's such an obvious concept that offensive linemen would be doing different drills than running backs or wide receivers and things like that. But that, um, according to Keon Ware Hudson, that just hadn't been going on the last couple of years at Oregon. And he felt that the team uh, as a whole was able to really um, progress better in their training staff and their training departments and their off-season goals because they were scheduled to drills and weightlifting and classes and things like that that were designed for their position group. Um, so I thought that was one of the more interesting things that I took out of out of Media Day. Um, just uh, just the overall admiration for for the strength strength and conditioning staff here at Oregon now with Wilson Love. Um, Ryan Walk was very complimentary of them from his injury, where he uh, tore his MCL. Fun fact, um, and that he was able to rehab and come back and be ready by January. Um, and just, you know, just after the bowl game and be ready for spring ball. Um, Popo Amavai was very complimentary as well of the help that he had with his torn labrum. Um, I think I was just, maybe it was like, you know, the first day it was media day. You got to comp everybody out there. But um, I just thought that the, the, the detail that, that each player went into was pretty, pretty interesting. And I thought it was something that um, 
it was clearly something that I had to take away from. I think looking at the staying on the defensive side of the football here for a second, um, we've always kind of known Justin Flo's talent. I think Jared is one of the biggest Justin Flo fans for all Pac-12 for Justin Flo this season, which he was voted by the media second team all Pac-12 despite having just two games played in his career. Um, but speaking with a lot of the players today, you you definitely get the sense that Justin Flo is one of the most well-liked guys on the team. Justin Flo is also one of the guys that energizes this program. Um, his, his play on the field is important. His impact that he will have if healthy is absolutely game-changing. But I think just his persona and his mindset is extremely uplifting for this team. Um, a lot of guys talked about just how they look to him to bring the energy to, to bring up in practice or to, or for games. Um, Noah Sewell called him the team's spirit animal. And I thought that was absolutely hilarious to see play out. And Sewell said that, he knows that he he himself and the defense will be all right if he looks over to his left before a play happens and he sees Justin Flo and he looks scary. And that just tells him that the team's going to be good. And I think equally impressive, though, and, and credit James Crepia of the Oregonian for asking this question, because I, I had noticed it. I mentioned it to Jared after we were done, but – Flo was very low-key, and I, I don't know if this was the lowest I've ever seen him, but it you know when you watch him at practice, when we see the Instagram videos from teammates and what have you, and he's going crazy, you would just kind of think that would be his persona the entire time. And he, is, he has said he has learned how to, I guess, manage his emotions and know when to push the button to get jacked up, when to come into practice or come into a game, you know, ready to go and firing rah, rah, rah. And when is the right time to be serious and understand that you always can't be that way. And I, I just think that was, it was an interview I had, I, I did not expect from the, the, the tone of the interview, the, the, the personality of Justin Flo was just not, what I was expecting going in. I'm also on the Justin Flo hype train. I think probably almost as much as Jared or as much. I think he's awesome and it's a matter of time if he can stay healthy. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear that he's sounds like going to start fall camp ready to play at a full clip because I think as others have echoed here, the idea of Noah and Justin in the middle of that defense is is terrifying. Dante Manning said a, a question about this. Like, I'm just happy they're on my team, basically. Like, it's, yes. it's, it's, it, Those are the guys you want to go into war with. Um, stay on offense because I spoke mostly with offensive guys. I, I'm really curious and encouraged by the way the running backs talk about each other. Now, I didn't speak with all of them. Um, I spoke with Noah Whittington and Sean Dollars and Bucky Irving. Um, Byron Cardwell, I think, spoke with, with Jackson. But the three I spoke with are, are all aware of the competition that's in place and all embracing it. I think, you know, Whittington did a great job of talking about how. Um, he's not worried about who's the one, two, three, four, whatever on the depth chart. He's worried about himself and self-improvement. In fact, um, Bucky Irving said the main reason he came to Oregon, like Noah Whittington was a huge component in that. Like he was his number one recruiter. He was telling him to come here. He said he wants, they wanted this backfield to be loaded. Um, and those guys are really close friends, like fast friends, basically. Um, I, I got the sense that, you know, the, the young guys are, are all really close together. Um, the, the, the main kind of talking word was physicality. Uh, and I asked, you know, cause that, that was brought up by both Irving and Whittington of like, I was like, kind of what, what kind of runners are you guys? We're physical. We run with a lot of power. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be their physicalities at a premium basically. And I asked Sean dollars why that was. And he said, it's because Carlos Lawton's running style is, is look up field and get to the pylon. You know, it, it is hit the hole and go. There's no dancing. There's no kind of, you know, looking around left to right, running, you know, it is, it is find the hole and go. And so I think you're going to see a run game that prioritizes that. Not that that's unique necessarily, but that certainly feels like the identity from this group. And, and then also Jordan James sounds like he's going to be a guy. Uh, 
every guy to a man was like, this kid is special. He's built differently, especially for a kid his age. I think there's a lot of excitement to see how he looks in camp when, when it, you know, when full pads come on and tackling comes on, because everything I heard was the way he's carried himself in summer workouts is like, he pretty much pops right away of like, he's going to be somebody that I don't know if he's going to play a ton this year, but down the line, he's going to be really special. Yeah. I, I could see the, the running back room becoming something special. I had Ryan walk talk about it and I was just trying to get, um, trying to see that to see where I was, you know, getting that quote, but I can't find it in time. But he basically was very complimentary of those behind him as well. Um, he's really like Noah Whittington, um, but she picked it as, as his breakout athlete for this season. Um, so there you go. Uh, interesting that Whittington is, was the lead recruiter for, for Marquis Irving. I like that story. Um, yeah, just uh, and, and this no, one. It, it is. It is Bucky. It, here, here, here's the background. Can I give this really quickly? I know. Sorry. Yes, I would like to hear this actually. Marky Serving is his birth name. Bucky is his was his dad's goat by name, and his dad passed. And they wouldn't call him Minnesota Bucky because the mascot is Bucky, and so they call him Bucko, which he didn't like. And so now he is putting the Bucko behind him, and he is Bucky. So refer to him as Bucky, not Marquise, and definitely yeah. not Bucko. No, no Bucko. No bucko deal. All right. All right. Bucky Irving then. Um, I don't know how many are we doing one more after this or yeah. is this the last one? Okay. Okay. Cause I got a good, good story for the final one. Um, so in, in Lanning's introductory press conference, he talked about having a player led team, which I like the idea that it sounds about right. You know, these guys are all, they're all adults. They're here. They can figure this out for their own. Right. Um, so I asked DJ Johnson about this, um, but I was very happy to talk to DJ Johnson today just because of uh, media day. There's just a lot of people who didn't really know the team and I must've got eight to 10 NIL questions. And I couldn't get any real question. Um, but anyway, I asked him about being, being part of a player led team and he, he really liked it. He said that it's, it's a lot different than what had happened before. Um, and specifically like out in the field on defense, like there's the initial call from, the head coaches or the defensive coordinator, Tosh Lupoy, about, hey, run this. Um, but now the players have the option of audibling on field and that can call their own plays. So, and I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of normal. Like, you know, we all watch NFL football here. We all have seen somebody, whether it's a quarterback or, or a linebacker, calling out a play, calling an audible, whatever the case may be. So I asked DJ, I'm like, DJ, has that had, has that been happening the last few years? Like if you wanted to call an audible as a linebacker, would you be able to do that? And he just shook his head and said, no. So that's a new added element to the defense on this season. Um, it'll be from the linebackers. And uh, like, like a lot of the defensive guys I interviewed today, um, they all called this, this defense is four, two, five, a very NFL style defense. And I feel like it's going to be run, like an NFL style defense with a linebacker being capable of making an audible. Um, I just thought that was a cool little tidbit. Um, this is another little thing that I took away from. I got to go back and go through all the interviews to really have um, better ones, except for the final story. We'll get to that though. Talking with a lot of the guys today, um, Bennett Williams brought this up. Noah Sewell brought this up. Justin Flo did. And a lot of it was on their own, too. They weren't really asked to expand on it. They just brought it up. Um, there is a better brotherhood, quotes, um, better unity. Uh, at least that's what they're talking about going into fall camp. Um, Justin Flo said after Spencer Webb's passing, um, the team kind of embraced Webb's personality and – collectively where Spencer, he, he said Spencer Webb was everybody's friend was always open, was always there to help was always a person who looked at life as helping you and not, you know, and, and at the expense of his own success essentially. And that has kind of worked its way through the entire team to you know, Bennett Williams came out and said that um, this is the first year he feels like in his time at Oregon, um, guys are playing for the ones next to them, guys in front of them, the guys behind them, and not really worrying about 
their own individual stats or what they are going to accomplish or what their future um, will look like in a year from now. He, he, Bennett Williams brought up the fact that he has a lot of personal goals. He wants 10 interceptions. He wants X number of tackles. Um, but he said, I, I would trade it all if it meant that my team wins and that if, you know, we win football games and Brandon Dorless said that he's got an ab, he's got his mind kind of in that direction where he knows this is probably going to be his last year and he wants to have a big individual season to help propel him that way. But he also acknowledged that ultimately though, I can't accomplish those goals if we're not good. And I, and I need my teammates and want my teammates to to play at a high level, and I'm going to do anything I can to to win those you know battles for them. And Noah Sewell backed it up by saying that he understands the value that that uh, Brandon Dorless provides, and said that he can't be the you know the All American linebacker that he's projected to be if it's not for Brandon Dorless you know do, you know doing what he does up front and allowing him to clean everything up. I just thought it was very interesting that. This team has to almost every guy I spoke with brought it up on their own of just they are closer this season. A lot of there's a lot there's a lot of dedication. Spencer Webb, um, I I didn't get this from today, but like apparently Spencer Webb, no one is sitting in his spot for the team meeting rooms all year. They um, they're acknowledging Spencer Webb every time that the, the team meets. Um, I think Dan said that today. Uh, this this team is they, they just feel different. They they have a greater purpose than themselves for what they're playing for. McCormick said this team feels the closest to, that it's been since 2019. He said it reminds him of that team a lot. Um, he also said, speaking to Spencer stuff, um, he's trying to petition so he can wear the number 18 with Webb's last name for the first game this year. That's something he's working on. I don't know if it'll. They happen. were very close. I don't know if he, I don't know if the the average listener knows this that Spencer Webb and McCormick were like brothers. Yeah, very very close. Spent about four years together on the same team. So th- that's something that's in the works. Um, to Matt's point, Matt Aval said that it's been strange. He said he's all he always Spencer always sat to his left or his right. I don't think he said which one, but he always sat right next to him in every meeting room. Um, and it's just been weird now being in those rooms with him not being there. You know, so that's going to be a thing that's carried throughout the team, throughout the season, I think, without question. And um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what other options and vehicles, the avenues they go through to, to try to commemorate him this year. I know there, I talked to Alex Forsyth about that and he says the leadership council is, first off, the leadership council is still being determined because it's a new season, new staff. And so it's not, gonna, you know, Alex has been on it for a couple of years. Ryan Walk has been on it for a couple of years. Um, they're still in the process of figuring out who's on that. But once that gets settled, the group is going to kind of get together and figure out what some options would be to commemorate him. Um, a couple of players talk about getting tattoos. I know Bennett Williams already has one. I think Terrence Ferguson said he was going to get one. Um, but there's just more Spencer. And then my, my third and final one, and I'll try to keep it quick so we can – I assume we're still talking about that commitment at the end of this thing because we're going to be going. Oh, yeah. We still have that to go. Um, but, you know, I think – and I mentioned it earlier, but the depth on defense – you know, um, Dante Manning saying he thinks they go three deep at every position. He particularly highlighted the defensive line, but I think there's been some concerns maybe externally from folks like us or the fans about some of the depth at some of these position groups. Defensive line, I've always felt good about. I think you've always felt pretty good about linebacker. Safety, almost you have too many guys. You've got a bunch of guys who've already been starters or who were in the spring working kind of in those roles. But um, even at corner, Dante says they're pretty loaded there. You know, you've got Christian and Dante and it's kind of always been, okay, what about, what do they have after that? But, you know, uh, Christian Gonzalez really, really thinks highly of the Jaleels and Kamari Terrell. Um, you know, Jared mentioned the speed that Terrell has and he was in Christian, I asked Christian Gonzalez to rank the five fastest guys in the team. And Terrell was like one of the first guys he threw out there. Um, I think he's got incredible he's speed. fast. I can't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how we'll, we'll be able to see it because he's probably not going to play a bunch, but. Christian says these guys raced a lot already. And Christian, that's why Christian says he thinks he's Christian says he thinks he's the fastest still because he's been beating him in races. I don't know the distance on these races because they said they do 20, 30, and 40 yards primarily. So they're not going very far relative to like sprints, but 
I digress. But no, I, I, I think you, I think I leave feeling, and I will, I will have to see it as we get through camp. But uh, I, I feel a little bit more confident defensively just about their numbers, and especially in the secondary at corner, because I think that's a position group where, shoot, they're going to rely upon some young guys. And there was some buzz, Jared. Did you who talked to Triquez? Did Quest say he's playing corner? Somebody brought up that Quest is playing corner again. So it's a weird one because the question was posed and he didn't really give a committed answer to either. Okay. Um, It seems like he's going to be playing safety and he might have misspoke at one point, but that's just kind of assuming something. Um, but he has he did say that he has talked to the coaches. I think this is he's talked about potentially splitting the time between the two. But okay. I don't know. From from when I talked to him today, there was that one slip up where me and, and on three's reporter Jared Denny kind of looked at each other like I wonder if he actually meant that or not. Um, so I, I think we'll find out eventually. But I don't have a definitive answer. For yeah, because somebody came over and asked a question about what it's like having Triquez at corner, and Dante Manning was like, "It's great having the speed and size," but I couldn't tell if that was him also. Because sometimes athletes just kind of go with the flow on questions and don't really yeah. reflect. Like, unless you're a Ryan Walk, who's like, "Wait, we're 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 a pass-heavy offense now. What are you talking about?" <laughs> Most of the time, the athlete is just going to kind of be like, "Yeah, it's been that great," and and agree with you. And uh, yeah. so I, I was trying to figure out that's. That might be something to watch, though, because um, I hadn't heard that at all this summer. I'd heard he was playing safety, but somebody brought yes. that information over, and Dante didn't wasn't like, "No, you're crazy. He's a safety now." Yeah, um, yeah. I'll I'll send you the quote later. I'm sure we'll have it up on DuckTerritory.com. Anyways, um, my final story is not anyone about football. It's a different one. So during spring camp, I you know we would take or we would jot down our fastball periods and we would post them on, on a duckterritory.com about who was starting at the first or second or third team or whatever the case may be. And nearly every single fastball period, all four or five of them, I can't remember off the top of my head, the starting safeties or the first defense that was on the field, the safeties were Triquez Bridges and Brian Addison. So during spring camp, they talked about how they were basically like best friends. They were really close they had each other's back. They really liked playing with each other. So I asked them about that again today. And the story actually goes back pretty far. Um, um, Brian Addison's dad was – Brian Addison's uncle was best friends with Triquez Br- Bridges' dad in Alabama. And oh. every year – yeah, every year Brian Addison, um, his uncle would say, hey, I'm going to send you down to train with my good friend – Triquez's dad down in Alabama and it never happened and never happened, but his, his uncle kept talking about it. And then finally one day Triquez commits to Oregon and he's like, guess. And uh, Brian Addison, his uncle was like, guess who just committed to Oregon? He's like, who? He's like, that's Triquez Bridges. That's my friend from Alabama. That's his kid. Who's going to come play in Oregon with you. So these guys are actually like, really close and really enjoy playing with each other and are like best friends on and off the field. It seems like um, I listed those two guys as my, as my starters. Um, they just have this, this weird kind of chemistry on the field that really has helped them play very well. Um, I asked them if it was like something, uh, uh, the duo and whoever decided to do it, it was like, was it Tosh Lupoy? Was it Matthew Pallage? And, they're like, no, nah, we just kind of ended up on the field at the same time, looked at each other and said, let's do this. And then they were first team or first defense that was on the field ever since. So uh, that was a fun little story that I did not anticipate. Small world. Who knew? Yeah. Who, who would have guessed? I'm, I'm going to, just for time's sake, I'm going to cut mine. And we're going to transition to the commitment. Um while we were at media day and look, it was funny. Uh, we, we recorded this morning's or yesterday's podcast uh, for Kwame Evans committing to the Oregon basketball team by jokingly saying, Hey, this is second day in a row that there's a verbal commitment. Uh, you get two podcasts and 
you know, for two straight days. Um, we're not going to do two straight, po- you know, we're not going to do a third straight day with two podcasts, but the football team landed its second verbal commitment in three days, its second defensive line commitment in three days when um, Mikhail Gardner, uh, Defensive lineman from Liberty High School in Peora, Arizona, a city in the Phoenix metropolitan area. Um, he gave his verbal commitment to the Ducks. Picked Oregon over Cal, Michigan, Texas, Wisconsin. Um, Twenty-one total scholarship offers. Other Pac-12, other Pac-12 schools to offer included USC and UCLA. Um, we we saw Iowa offer a scholarship. We also saw San Diego State offer a scholarship. Uh, this is a good get for Oregon. I know people are going to look at it and kind of scoff at the the three-star ranking. He's the 59th best defensive lineman in the country. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, this is going to be a superstar player, you know, day one at Oregon. But these are the three stars that I think you like to get if you're Oregon. Um, Offers from basically every Power 5 conference in the country – you got some really good defensive-minded schools, schools that are known to produce good defensive linemen. Um, and Oregon kind of came from behind here. You know, they were at one point the favorite. Then Michigan, um, after he visited the uh, the big house on June 10th, kind of surged ahead. He was here for Oregon uh, it, for an official visit June 24th. And then most recently at Saturday Night Live, which probably was ultimately what – sealed the deal for Oregon here. wonder if this helps with Amari Washington, who's also from Arizona, who came up with Gardner for a trip. So that I'm not reporting this is happening immediately, but if, if they end up with Green, Gardner, and Washington, along with Pame and Tuioti, and they probably need to find another edge or maybe another bigger body guy, but that's not a bad haul at all. That's, that's, that's pretty darn good for Tony Tuioti's first defensive line group. Uh, Shades of Brandon Dorless with Gardner, like shades. There. I think you could make that comparison. I'm not saying he's quite. I mean, the funny thing is that we talked. You mentioned the recruiting ranking. Dorless was far low, far lesser as a recruit than Gardner in terms of ranking. I think he was at one point in the thousands. I think he ended up being 800 something in the 24/7 composite rankings. Uh, this is this is Dorless, um, but similar in that they're a little bit shorter, not huge bodies but pretty darn explosive. I'll be curious with, with, um, with Gardner again of where's, where's the long-term fit. And we, you mentioned earlier on this podcast, Dorless moving outside to probably play one more defensive end as opposed to playing a tackle position. You could kind of see Gardner being sort of similar to that ultimately. Um, 6'2", 275, probably a guy who similar to Dorless is going to be playing in the 280, 285 range. Yeah, um, I like his tape. I think this is somebody who, similar to Terrence Schultz, I don't look at him and be like, "Oh my gosh, he just blows you out of the water with his explosiveness, his quickness off the, off the ball." But makes a lot of plays, is involved in a lot of stuff. And again, when you're an Oregon team that's trying to build a powerhouse defense, you need bigger bodies. You need guys who are explosive. You need guys who are athletic. And I think Gardner has enough of all those things to be a fit. Yeah, I think it's important to remember what the three and four and five stars, you know, what they mean again, you know, three stars, like a multi-year starter at the college football level, you know, it might not be a day one draft pick. It might not be an, an, an award candidate or an award winner. Um, and if that's something that Mike Mikel Gardner turns into for Oregon, of an, a multi-year starter at the defensive end position, you take it a hundred percent all day. And I, I like his tape. It, it is a little more Brandon Dorless or like, um, Christian Williams a little bit with that kind of size and and not elite athleticism, but not bad athleticism at all. Um, I almost feel like he and Terrence Green might switch spots at one point uh, during their time at Oregon. Yeah, feel the just same way. like Terrence, if he adds like 40 pounds or 30 pounds, could be just a mountain of a man, kind of like Jason Jones in the middle for Oregon last season. Um, and while Gardner, if he – if he, you know, when if he signs and joins the program, and he works on his speed with Jaworski Beckham and uh, gets after it with Wilson Love, could turn into some type of an edge rusher and play at that six two two eighty range. Um, but it's a it's a good pickup. And like Eric mentioned, for Tony Tuioti to get um, Green and and Green with this last pickup, 
and Gardner with his last pickup. It's it's been a good cycle for him. Um, there's no elite, elite four like high four star, five star guy. Um, there's still a chance that comes to fruition. Um, but overall, I think these are all solid pickups for Oregon. People who can who will contribute at least maybe their second year. Um, but overall, you know, again, this is another commitment for the Ducks, even though people were kind of panicking that uh, recruiting was yes. falling, falling off the wagon. Um, I think they'll be okay. This happened even yesterday on, on Twitter. I, I don't understand where this is coming from. Like I, I put this after Kwame Evans committed to Oregon for basketball. Um, since USC and UCLA announced their decisions to leave the PAC 12 for the big 10 in 2024, and the narrative has come out that the Pac-12 is screwed, that's going to die. And look, I, I I, think or I ultimately think at some point the Pac-12 is not going to be a Power 5 league anymore. Um, you know, Whether that includes Oregon or not, I don't know. But the league's future is it's in dire straits right now. But I have full confidence that Oregon's going to be fine, and so do recruits. Because since that news has happened, the football team has landed its highest rated football recruit at quarterback and program history, who is the number two player in the country right now. And that's only happened one other time when they've landed the number two player in the country. Now it's Kayvon Thibodeau. And, and the basketball team has landed its highest second highest rated player in program history. Who's the number seven player in the country for 2022 or 2023. So Oregon is fine. Like the, the notion that Oregon is, Losing out on these prospects left and right is, is crazy. Um, Mikhail Gardner is going to help this Oregon football program. He is a good get for the Ducks. A lot of Power 5 schools wanted him. A lot of schools in the Big Ten, a lot of schools, there were some schools in the SEC that wanted him. Um, and you look at the, the rankings now, and Oregon is 15th in the country. They surpass Washington. They're two spots behind USC. The average rate recruit, for USC and for Oregon is basically the same thing, uh, same number. Oregon is Oregon is going right with along right where they should be. Are they going to get the best class in school history like we potentially thought in in March? Probably not. That's going to be hard to get. But the top ten, very real possibility, and staying in the top fifteen is is knowing who's still on the board. It's going to be almost impossible to to have that not happen. Um, so recruiting is going terrific. I, I don't know if terrific is the right word, but yes, they had, they had a, a, a dry spell a little bit in the month of July. Some guys and some targets went elsewhere, but they're fine. They're, they're progressing when they need to be. And this, this, they've still got good. They've still got time to add more. I, yeah, I think it's hard to say that it sucks when you've got the 15th best class in the country, you have 13 verbal commitments, Several. 13. That's it. It's like not even probably just under half of the class being filled. And there are schools right ahead That's of them. Arkansas ahead. has 24 and they're a spot ahead of them. I was yeah. going to say there's several schools ahead of them that have 17 to 24, 25 commits. So 23 yeah. for Arkansas. Sorry. How dare you? I know. I'm terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just I just think it's it's I mean, this is a different tangent that we're going on and we should probably stop at this point before people get mad at us for being mad at them. But it's silly. It's very silly. Oregon is, is is doing just fine. There's still a whole football season where they can woo everybody when, hey, come see Odson at it when it's rocking. And that's that's probably one of the lane, main reasons they landed Kayvon Thibodeau years ago is that they got they got him to come against Washington and see what it was like to play here. So that's another trick up their sleeve. I think they're doing just fine so far. Real quick, before you wrap this up, I do want to throw this out there. Um, back to media day. I, I don't know about you two, but I think whenever I see the HTC building from, from my association and, and from whatever I've heard from people who compare just how it looks, it's always a Star Wars reference. Um, it's always kind of like the Death Star type deal. Uh, Chase Coda today said, he feels like Bruce Wayne every day when he pulls up to the HTC building to pull in because he he calls it the Batcave and he associates that Batman always has these high-tech gadgets and fancy equipment and all the cool facilities and what have you, and that's kind of what they have. And so uh, the Batcave, maybe it's the Duck Cave, which used to be a thing 
a long, long time ago when Twitter just started. Uh, but maybe that's the new nickname for the HTC here. Was it the Duck Cave or the Quack Cave? Quack Cave. Quack Cave. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I like it. I don't dislike it at all. It's, uh, it, 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 I mean, some of these things do need nicknames. And I'm, I've realized I'm not great at giving nicknames that stick, but I can, I can stick, I can do that. It's better it's than, I'm going to I'm gonna take a really stupid shot at somebody for no reason because the podcast is ending and I'm, I'm have been thinking too much on this podcast. But some, some reporter asked Sean Dollars if he had a nickname and he goes, no, I might just go by my government name. And the reporter said, uh, maybe, maybe you should go by money. <laughs> and that was the last thing that was said in that interview session. And I think Sean, Sean left feeling worse about the world. <laughs> That was the last. Was that the last question? Like, did, 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 did Zach come up and say last it, question? It followed. Yeah, Greg Walker was like, "All right, last one, guys." And then someone was like, "Do you have a nickname?" And he was like, "No, I just go by my government name." And the person said, "Oh, how about? Oh, your last name's Dollars. What about money?" And he goes, eh. and "At that point, I also took my recorder and went home." End scene. Yeah. Speaking of end scene, this is it. Uh, thank you for listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Uh, go subscribe today. Get 50% off your, your, your annual membership. And until tomorrow, we'll talk to you again soon here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.